Well, hello everyone and welcome to Maharangi Vineyard Church Live. Hey, we are really excited to carry on with our Why series this morning. Um, and in this series, if you if you remember, we are sort of looking at the why behind things. Jesus was so good at sort of calling out people's why, the why they said the things they said, why they did the things they did. Um, and in all of that kind of calling out, he also demonstrated his own whys. And so this morning, we are really, really privileged to have Fran Francis with us. We're going to do a bit of a conversation via Zoom, as we do these days. Um, and we're going to look at that the idea or the practice, the discipline, if you would, of, of silence and of solitude. You know, all throughout the Gospels, which is the portion of Scripture that really focuses in on the life of Jesus, there are these lines throughout throughout the Gospels where it says things like Jesus left the crowd and he went away to a lonely place or he he went off somewhere on his own and he was silent. And, and for many of us, we can read those things as almost just linking sentences um, from from one of the things that Jesus did to another thing that Jesus did, you know, the miracles, the, the incredible messages, the sermons, the, the signs and wonders. And yet there's something really powerful in those spaces between. Um, and there's a really, really great invitation for us to embrace silence and solitude like Jesus did. So I'd just like to introduce Fran and just maybe Fran, just share a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into it. Thanks, Lyndon, and uh, kia ora koutou katoa, Maharangi Vineyard uh, from down here in Beach Haven at level three. So, yep, like you guys, we're uh, doing Zoomy Church as well. So it's lovely to be with you online on a platform like this today. Um, I've met many of you, but for those of you who don't know me, I'm married to Vic. We are pastors of uh, Shaw Vineyard Church and... Um, clocked up 30 years on that gig last year. Um, we are parents of four adult children um, and uh, no mokapuna so far, but uh, hoping something's in the offing at some point. Don't tell them I said that. Uh, <laughs> having spent quite a lot of time uh, alongside Vic in uh, the pastorate, um, sort of Getting close to 20 years ago, uh, I began to feel uh, a pull towards something different. And I guess it was something uh, also that was more resonant with perhaps uh, how I am as a person too, the, the expression of faith that feels most natural to me. Um, and so I started on a journey towards becoming a spiritual director and uh enjoying the more contemplative practices of Christian spirituality. And so I've been a spiritual director now for um, 15 years, and I uh, moved away from uh, co-pastoring with Vic nearly six years ago to take over uh, the role of Kaifakahaere, or the curator and national coordinator of the spiritual directors formation program offered by spiritual growth ministries here in New Zealand, which is one of uh, only two formation programs for spiritual directors uh, in our motu. So um, it's a wonderful privilege to do that work. And alongside that, uh, I have my own uh, practice 
as a spiritual director, meeting people uh, one-on-one as they explore their faith and relationship with God in the context of everyday life and offering um, retreats and uh, special special treats, not just retreats, but just treats for people who are, I don't know, seeking something fresh in their prayer life. Um, and so I do that under the, the banner of, of solace, spiritual direction. So there's a couple of things on my website that you might find engaging to, to try out as a prayer practice. So if you want to jump to www.solace.org.nz, you'll see me there and uh, some things that that might um, be just, I don't know, the, the, the medicine for now, maybe. Wonderful. So that's yeah, a very I'll, I'll, long. No, no, no. And I'll, I will the add. The older you get, um, the longer it takes. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I will add, man, oh, my goodness, so I mean, every people will be rolling their eyes at home, but I've gone on and on about recently, <laughs> you know, having done recently, whenever that was, that, um, that silent retreat that Fran um, oversaw, and it just is... I cannot recommend them highly enough. I think just, oh, just such an incredible time. If you can, if you can do all, you know, do whatever you can to sort of make some space. Um, and those are some big things, but, you know, like, like getting away for five days, but, but the whole practice of, of silence and solitude, it doesn't have to be those massive gestures of going away, um, going to a beautiful retreat center. You know, it can be, it can be something that we will, yeah, hopefully invited into on a daily basis. Um, and so, friend, what what is your journey sort of been like as far as embracing silence and solitude, you know, in as a daily rhythm, I guess is probably a really great way of putting it, as well as the big things, but also just a little. Mm. Well, I think I'd say of myself as an extrovert that coming to those places um, and embracing those practices doesn't feel entirely easy or natural. Uh, they are a bit of a pushback in a way to um, some of my preferences, you know, in terms of my personality. So I guess what it's good to acknowledge is that who we are is how we pray. So giving ourselves permission to um, to pray in, a, in accordance with our wiring, you know. So um, there's that. But you might be saying, well, you've just contradicted yourself. And I recognize that. So what happens is at particular points in life, we may find that the practices that were really nourishing and engaging for us in our faith sort of dry up. And it's at that point uh, that we need something different. And maybe a great example of uh, the energy that it takes to do that might be uh, that sort of slalom uh, kayaking that you might have watched in the uh, the Olympics and you know the downstream practices are sort of easy-ish you can go with the flow um, but then you watch them have to crank that little kayak around and use a lot of energy to go upstream and get around the gate so upstream practices ask something more of us and most of us will have experienced at some point that need to really get our teeth into something it's like ah, you know, I just feel sort of somehow flabby or this isn't really working and I need something to kind of dig into. And this is where practices like solitude or silence, uh, but others, uh, another S1, simplicity, uh, the simplifying of of life and letting go of things um, can be really good for us. So I just 
began to feel drawn to quieter ways of being with God and in churches like ours which are very uh, external if you like it and um, extroverted in their um, exuberance lots of ease there (laughs) Uh, they uh, churches like ours can sometimes struggle to find meaning in the quiet but what I'd also like to say that as the vineyard movement our roots are in the Quakers Mm might not have realized that so Quakers have no preaching and they have no musical instruments their meeting is silence Mm. so and I am while I can't kind of categorically state this as a 100% gold-plated fact so you might want to fact check it but John Wimber had his formational experiences as a new convert with the Quakers he because I met him and was in meetings with him, had a great capacity for just waiting on God, with God, in a group. And he would just stand there in silence and we would just wait for God to say something, to move in some way. That is a Quaker practice. And it's something that's part of the vineyard DNA. So what I recognized as I was interested and drawn more to some of these quieter ways of being with God was that they were already embedded in the DNA of the movement that I was in. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, great. And so, you know, like we find ourselves in, in obviously, you know, I, I kind of get so tired of, of using the term like unprecedented times because <laughs> there's always been times like this, but in, in history and stuff. But, um, but, but never, whatever you want to call it, we're in a season that's very different than what most of us have ever experienced before. Um, and for a lot of people, that real uncertainty, the what's going to happen next, what's going to be said at this, we live our lives around these press conferences or, mm-hmm. or, or, or tear our life around level fours and level threes and whatever that means. And, and so um, with everything that is so different from what we've experienced before, how have you found or how would you sort of promote or, or encourage the practice of, of silence and solitude in the midst of like mm. real life, like bubbles and yeah. everyone being under the same roof and not being able to go out for takeaways or, well, now we can, but, you know, just that whole sense of so much, um, as you say, of our, of our experiences up until now of what churches, what practices are those, those exuberant you know, or, or extroverted um, ways of worship have been have been like paused for a season um and so what would you say to that to those people that are really missing those things and looking for something more oh and this is such a huge question and such a good one um so there there's a, a few things in that question one maybe the sense of loss of control or even just plain grief that the way that we love to express our faith communally in exuberance you know and singing together and and that corporate movement of 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 praise that sort of lifts us up and maybe leads us into also a a quiet uh reflective space because vineyard worship uh, at its best kind of takes us not to the mountaintop but to a moment uh of sort of profound stillness in a way where we arrive together um and so it, it's okay to feel the loss of that and maybe even talk to God about how you feel that loss 
um, the opening of feelings that are somehow um, less worthy, don't seem quite uh, sort of good or suitable to talk to God about. I think this is what real prayer is, is to say, man, uh, I really feel the loss of this right now. Um, and maybe ask God, how do you want to accompany me through this? And um, Dallas Willard said this wonderful thing. He said, the farther outward the journey takes us, the deeper inward the journey needs to go. So um, maybe a, a parallel of that might be thinking of, of the growth of a tree where the external uh, features of that tree, its limbs and um, leaves, that all of that form is echoed underneath the ground. And so a time like this, and, and it's ongoing and will continue on, invites us to pay real attention to sort of what, what is less external because the externals of our faith have sort of been stripped away. So now we're looking at, well, what do I have within and what can I draw on there and how can I strengthen that? So um, through the um, millennia of our faith that our, our spiritual fathers and mothers, they have drawn strength from practices of solitude and silence because sometimes they found themselves in prison and sometimes they found themselves in the desert and sometimes they found themselves in times of pandemic and extremity and so it's these times where we need to be able to reach inward for God who is indwelling and and trust that uh, and let what's happening there grow because the things that we're accustomed to reaching out for, um, those supports are no longer readily available to us. So it's, it's true of God that God is majestic and outside of us and at work in the world. And we say that is God's transcendence, God beyond us. But there is also the truth of God's imminence. That's I-M-M-A-N-E-N-C-E, not that God is imminent, you know, about to arrive, although that could also be true. The immanence of God is the indwelling presence of God. So we are, I am, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Shekinah glory of God that was resident in the temple is now by the power of the Holy Spirit resident in you and I. So God is here and getting to know what that means is a whole journey of its own. So to your question, how do we do this then in in lockdown? That all sounds very fine and good friend, or it sounds off the planet. I'm tuning out because I'm not following you now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some of the things that I found really helpful um, particularly early in the pandemic when we were all frittering out, or maybe it was just me, but I felt quite anxious, um, was a simple daily practice of when I went for my walk, or if I hadn't had time for a walk, just looking around my house and noticing something that sort of attracted my attention. So I call that the flirt, something that's just in your own environment that somehow sort of flirts with you, captures your attention in some way. And just to sit with that, and slow down and let yourself notice it and what 
it means to you, what it might even be saying to you. We know that God speaks through nature. We know that God speaks through all many different kinds of things. And as we slow down and bring this sort of gentle, open gaze to something that's caught our attention in our environment, it can say something quite special about maybe who we are as we hold this thing or something about who God is. And so I would do this each day and make uh, what I describe as a personal altar, a little collection of some bits and bobs that have somehow touched me in the day and that they represent what God is saying to me in this day. And I do it at the end of the day. And mostly I don't uh, really post things about my faith online but I began taking photographs of the personal altar and just posting them on our church Facebook group and on my Insta. And then what I found was that people were responding to those and then they started doing them too. And there were people in the Philippines doing it and my friends in Australia doing it. And there was this lovely kind of movement of people finding um, God in very ordinary things from nature in their neighborhood and from their own house so that is actually something that you can do as a family or that each person could bring at the end of the day the little thing that somehow they've noticed that is a bit special in their day so it's it's a way of paying attention and that is at the heart of what it means to be contemplative it's noticing the holy in the ordinary Wonderful. Yeah, that's great. And so like you talked there just briefly about family, um, you know, because lots of kids watching. Um, is this just something for when you get old one day? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, you know, I think that's great. Actually, we're born contemplative yeah. and then we lose it. So kids are way better at paying attention to God than grown-ups. Hmm. Uh, and so I think this is what Jesus was saying to his disciples when he said unless you become like a little child you can't enter the kingdom and it's not about uh trying to um god god doesn't want to infantilize us turn us into babies but i think there's something about the the simplicity of the question the naive inquirer the noticing of just the pretty thing the, the curious thing the ordinary thing and just really sitting and gazing at it. And who has not, as a kid, spent quite a long time poking around in a rock pool, sticking their finger in an anemone to see what will happen, or just really looking at something? Um, you know, toddlers can get so absorbed in looking at something that to us is, we've seen it a million times, it doesn't speak to us anymore. But actually, if we brought that curious, open gaze to it, it would speak to us again. So kids are great at this. It's not about, you know, sit down, shut up, stay still, you know, the, the enforcing of um, a rigid practice of silence, which I think maybe our great-great-grandparents experienced. You know, the saying, oh, you know, it was as long as a month of Sundays or, or something like that. It was a way of saying how boring Sunday was because they weren't allowed to play. They had to read the Bible, they had to go to church, they had to do a whole bunch of rigid things and it just went on forever and kids were scarred by that. <laughs> yeah. So they became grown-ups who were scarred by that. Yeah. So it, it, that approach 
where we have to do it like this eliminates the spontaneity and the invitation of God. You know, Christ plays in 10,000 places. And that might even be just under our own roof. Where is Christ playing today? Where is my attention drawn? And what that might be, what might that be saying to me about who God is and who I am? Nice, lovely. And so really just um, with with sort of um, a practice that you've embraced and, and have been living through for so long, what would you say to someone who's sort of very early on in, in this sort of idea, or even maybe this is the first message they've ever heard sort of promoting or, or, or sort of presenting this, this idea or this lifestyle of silence and practice? Where's a great way to start, a place to start? Just do it. there you go yeah just do it and don't worry too much about getting it right um so to make a little bit of time um to sit um so there there is a place for stillness and I can uh feel some of you already kind of resisting that um but it allows us to be where God wants us just for five minutes or 10 minutes so that's not to say you can't still go for your run or do the act of relaxing that you like to do and that you engage with God in but then there's this upstream practice of pausing and just being present and open to God so people may worry a little bit about well if I'm opening my mind up well you know a whole lot of other things might come in so in the Christian practice of this kind of meditation we're not trying to empty our mind we're trying to to bring our mind to a kind of stillness and receptivity to the presence of God so in our quiet practice we're just trying to focus on God and it's very difficult (laughs) (laughs) and we'll be thinking about lunch and we'll be thinking about how uncomfortable the chair is all of a sudden and we'll have a million distractions so so a lovely way to approach um, this combined practice of, of stillness and silence is to ask God to give you a word like a name or it might be a statement of intent it might just be a simple word like hear or open and so you're you're offering to God your whole self and so when you notice that you've run off down some thought distraction rabbit hole, you just uh, say your inviting word to bring yourself back to your intention to be present to God. So it's not a mantra where it's just repeated, 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 and it's not used to drive away thoughts. Our thoughts are allowed to exist, but what we're practicing is not following them just for a few minutes to just return to our intention to be present to God. So it is hard. But what we what we know is that it rewires our brains. So the neural pathways that we're accustomed to just running down, which for some of us are quite harsh, quite negative, um, quite um, judgmental on ourselves. It it flips a switch on those. We're not allowed not allowing ourselves to run down those same old pathways. Uh, And actually what we know over time from the uh, neuroscientists is that those pathways heal over and new ones form. So this form of nonverbal prayer heals our brains. Wow. 
And when our brain is healed, we are healed. Pretty good, eh? That's a pretty good reason why, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think Wonderful. so. Oh, yes. thank you so much, friend. We're just so, so appreciative. Um, would you just maybe um, pray for us in closing? Um, and Or maybe before you do that, are there... Um, Oh, actually, what we can do is put those online anyway. But if there are some websites, other, you know, we've got you've mentioned Solace, mm. but if there are some other websites or resources where where we can kind of dig into this information a little bit more than hey, just a, a conversation on Zoom, um, are there any that come to mind? Yeah, there's a fantastic website. It's an Australian one. Um, so uh, Christian teachers uh, have put together resources. Uh, for Christian contemplation in in schools and honestly it's it's just fantastic what's happening and and helping children connect with their their inner life with God Um, and so it's called cominghome.org.au and there are some really nice practices on there and some really lovely uh, stories of what the children themselves are saying about um, the the permission to to come home to to god in themselves it's really wonderful so cominghome.org.au has some really lovely things on there that work for for adults and kids and so you might enjoy some of those yeah great wonderful so why don't you would you mind praying for us as maharani vineyard and then yeah yeah i would love to pray for you yes so trinity of love thank you for this opportunity to talk about who you are in our ordinary experience, even though perhaps pandemic is extraordinary. You're in it with us. As we're gathered in homes and bubbles, uh, whether um, as individuals or family groups, you're with us. And this is the biggest story of all, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. So help us to have opened eyes and hearts to how you are with us today and in the coming week. And we ask this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Thank you very much, Fran. We just have, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful privilege to hear from you. We'll, don't worry about those um, websites. We'll put those up as well and, and links um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for sharing with us the why of, of silence and solitude and, and for really the incredible example that you are um, to, to many of us. So really, really appreciate your time and um, have a lovely day. Thank you. Thank you so much.